That, my dear Henry, is, is the, the infamous, infamous Matahari. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indiana Jones Universe, the podcast that explores the expanded universe of Indiana Jones as we discuss the Young Indie Television series, the Further Adventures comic books, the Staff of Kings and Emperor's Tomb video games, and so much more. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 66, in which today we're going to continue to dive into the soundtrack from Young Indiana Jones as we take a look at the music from Paris 1916, also known as the second half of Demons of Deception. Uh, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, instead of doing a soundtrack review for our last Young Indie episode, which was Winds of Change, uh, we're going to be going back and doing some of the soundtrack reviews that we have missed or haven't done previously. Uh, the reason for this is because Winds of Change does not have a soundtrack release on any of the four volumes of CD that were released back in the 1990s. Uh, additionally, uh, following along with YoungIndianaJonesMusic.com, uh, none of the LucasArts video games on the bonus DVDs or the LEGO games or Staff of Kings uh, use any of the music from this score, so we really don't have much music to actually review and talk about and play samples for you. Uh, so instead, we decided that we were going to start going back and doing some of the soundtrack reviews uh, from some of the earlier episodes. Uh, some of our soundtrack enthusiasts out there may have noticed uh, that we haven't done soundtrack reviews for every episode. Uh, that's because we were originally planning to do one big kind of soundtrack episode at the end where Max and I would talk about some of our favorite pieces and scores, uh, but we ended up kind of diving in and doing one for every single episode, so we're now going to go back and do the ones that we didn't do early on, uh, starting with Paris 1916 uh, because of the common location here since we just did Paris 1919. So we're going to be talking about the wonderful score from the Matahari episode today. So without further ado, let's jump into this one, shall we? Yes, so today we are reviewing Paris 1916, which is one of the halves from Demons of Deception, composed by Joel McNeely and performed by the Munich Symphony Orchestra. We have nine tracks, about 19 minutes of music or so. Uh, most of them are from the Volume 1 soundtrack CD, but the very last track that we are reviewing today is from the interactive timeline from the bonus DVD. So, starting off, the music for this episode is actually extremely well represented on the Volume 1 soundtrack, with all of the tracks in Episode form, not suites of music, meaning none of it is like cut and uh, placed in different parts of the episode. Uh, all of the music is just perfectly in order as we're reviewing it. That's how it plays in the episode. Um, only two or three cues are missing on the CD to make this a complete soundtrack release. And also a substantial amount of this score is reused in McNeely's work for Paris 1908 episode. Yeah, so we have got a jam-packed episode today in terms of some music from this Volume 1 soundtrack city, and I like how you mentioned that all the music is in episode form, uh, because that definitely is true, and for lots of soundtrack enthusiasts or completists out there who are looking for, you know, the exact cues that they use in Young Indie, uh, Paris 1916 is one of those few episodes on the soundtrack city where that is actually the case. Uh, most of these cues that we're going to be talking about are placed in chronological order and also appear in full in their respective scenes, uh, so it's really, really fantastic 
fantastic instead of going through some of these other episodes that we've talked about, like Romantic Adventures is a great example of a track from Northern Italy, 1918, where it's just a smidge smadge of all these themes from the episode. Uh, it sounds great when you're listening to it, but if you want to talk about music from a specific scene, it's kind of frustrating because it's all just kind of piled together. Um, about two or three cues, like you mentioned, are missing to make this a complete soundtrack release, and some of those are actually source music cues. Uh, classical music by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Uh, the scenes with the reception uh, with Professor Levi at the beginning of the episode when Indy actually meets Matahari for the first time. Uh, there's two pieces of classical music. Uh, one of which is actually Mozart's viola quintet in G minor, which, for some reason, no one really knows why, uh, it was included on the Volume 1 soundtrack CD with McNeely's original score. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, if you own the Volume 1 soundtrack CD, you'll notice that you have just uh, Mozart's viola quintet in G minor on there, uh, in addition to McNeely's work. So it's not actually original to Young Indy, and therefore, for the purpose of, this, of the soundtrack review, uh, we're not actually going to review that track today. So it is a great track great piece of music, uh, but if you're interested in listening to the Mozart Viola Quintet in G minor, uh, you can do that on the Volume 1 soundtrack CD, or just buy it, you know, on any other digital music platform. Uh, but since it's not original young indie music, we're going to skip that one for today. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump into the first track here then, uh, Arrival in Paris, a, a very famous track uh, among a lot of young indie fans. You know, when I first heard this, I'm like, is this really original to Young Indy? Because it's very, very beautiful. And actually, it is. It actually takes place when Indy and Remy have arrived in Paris, and they are walking the streets of Paris. And, uh, you know, you hear these uh, beautiful strings and a horn to take kind of the theme here. And the accordion, which really signifies French and Paris to me, us because... Whenever I hear the accordion, usually it's from either a French movie or uh, wherever scene that it plays in is in France or in Paris. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Like, we talked about this a little bit with Romantic Adventures, actually. Funny I'm bringing this up for the second time here, because we talked about that section in the middle of the track where it's like, kind of reminds you of that Italian marketplace, right? That type of music. And we hear that with uh, the music in 3-4 time here, uh, kind of that very traditional French waltz style of music. Uh, you can kind of hear that, you know, through this, uh, the beats here as well. And I like what you said, how the trumpet and the violins are really commenting on this grand theme, and especially the opening interlude there I really, really like, as we have this general increase in volume as the notes increase, and we see the woodwinds and the violins, and also the use of the percussion. Uh, we see some snare drums at the beginning, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, it kind of is that transition from when Indy and Remy get off the train, right? They've obviously, we just had the Battle of Verdun, you know, if we're looking at this from the DVD version, and then we kind of transition into something a little bit more, you know, extravagant and a little bit more warm, right? They've arrived in Paris. Um, one of my favorite quotes from the, this scene, actually, is when Indy says, you know, so many girls, so little time, and Remy responds, take it easy, Romeo, we're only here for a couple of days, right? So again, that just transition of something a little bit different, right? We hear that kind of transition of just traditional French music with this waltz style and that full orchestra sound to represent kind of the romance in Paris. Yes, I also love the chimes and the woodwinds with the violins here. It, you know, it really kind of, the tone here is like love, just perfect love. It also has a very rich sound, really brings the emotion to you. So let's listen to the first section of Arrival in Paris.
coming off of that fantastic first section, we now transition into a rendition of Arrival in Paris on the saxophone, which is actually a pretty heavily used instrument uh, in this episode, which is actually really fantastic. I love the sound of it here. Kind of, again, gives you that sort of warm sort of feel of, you know, Paris during this time period in 1916. And again, we have uh, this wonderful phrasing of the violins here. And the thing I really, really like about Joel McNeely's score for this episode in particular is the harmonization that's going on. Uh, if you really listen to some of the background instruments and parts that he included in here, it has that full orchestra sound that, you know, we were talking about and kind of that warm sound to represent the time period, the location, um, and all these sorts of things. So I really love kind of those, you know, so small, subtle hints with the chimes and the violins there. Yes, I really do love that. I also love the solo violin. I can't tell if it's a violin or viola, but it's very, very beautiful. Um, it, you know, it really kind of brings out the emotion, really brings out what exactly is happening in this scene. I also wanted to mention we actually have a 3-4 waltz for this song, which is very interesting and very awesome. Yeah, I do like that that continues on throughout the whole track and love what you said there about the solo violin because it has that really great tone quality there, right? Kind of bringing you back to, you know, some of those traditional waltzes, uh, which again, it's interesting to think about like how complex and how, you know, kind of extravagant this theme is when we really just see Indy and Remy walking around in Paris. And there's even a little bit of underscoring in section two here because they are talking in the back of that like cab that they're taking to uh, Professor Levi's house. So it's just kind of like, so interesting that when you listen to this isolated on its own, we really can pick out a lot of this fantastic music in here, especially as it transitions back to full orchestra with that retardando at the end and the guitar trill to give us that sustained note and bring us some finality. Yes, definitely. I really also love that sustained note, like you said, because that's so beautiful. It really kind of, you know, it gives it that gradual and but it also closes out the song if you have a sustained note that just fades out. Moving off from the extravagant theme of Arrival in Paris, we now have something a little bit different and almost a little bit farcical as we transition to afternoon tea. Uh, this is the scene in which Indy meets up with his father's friend, Professor Levi, who pulled a few strings in the Ministry of War uh, to get him and Remy on that 10-day leave. Uh, however, what's interesting here is Indy is now receiving a letter from his father. And we kind of uh, see that Ian McDiarmid, uh, famous Emperor Palpatine, of course, as we mentioned in that episode, plays Professor Levi and almost kind of brings this comical aspect to this scene as Professor Levi and his wife, of course, are so enthusiastic that Indy is here as Indy is just trying to find every excuse he can uh, to get away and uh, meet Remy tomorrow the next day. So that starts off and is apparent here with this 
really interesting deep brass and bassoon section. We almost kind of hear this roll into the next section in this big crescendo that is very interesting at the start here, and that's kind of in the background with some string pizzicato, the chimes, which we've talked about before, are very present in all of these tracks, and then the mellow saxophone slightly commenting on it, which I really like, brings up that really unusual sound for this underscoring scene. Right as it rolls into those notes and the mellow saxophone comes in and that flute especially, it really kind of is very eerie. Even though, you know, it should be happy he's having tea with his father's friend. Yeah, and the one thing I will also say as well is I like almost how the music cues the dialogue a little bit. Uh, you can kind of almost react to certain things. Remember, there's that small section in which Indy accidentally drops that tea mug right? And you can kind of hear when that is during the scene. Um, you can hear when things pick up, right? As, uh, you know, uh, the wife uh, says, you know, we've scheduled this entire week for you full of fun events and activities. And he's like, oh, great, right? And you can hear as that picks <laughs> up and, you know, gradually gets louder and louder and more painful for Indy as he has to hear all of this, right? So I kind of like as well how, you know, the music cues the dialogue in a little sense. And I think that's what you hear in this very unusual sounding, like you said, kind of almost like weirdly, um, you know, mysterious a little bit uh, for this next uh, first section of Afternoon Tea. Coming off of the kind of eerie uh, mellow saxophone theme, we kind of jump into this fast kind of waltz style of a, you know, track with uh, these jumping woodnins, the rolling notes, the trumpets, and we kind of transition into this full orchestra sound. Yeah, I also really like that the piano was kind of mixed in with the trumpet. We hear a lot of the piano in this entire score. Specifically, there's one track that features a soloist who actually plays the piano, which is pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, I kind of like this sort of, I like how you said it's a waltz because it does have that sort of jumping and lively sound with the woodwinds there, as well as the violin slurs and arpeggios. As like you said, you know, Indy's schedule just seems to be getting out of control here, and that's communicated with that sort of specific sound uh, from the instrumentation there. And yeah, again, this is a really intricate use of underscoring here. I love the harmony. Um, and, you know, one thing I did want to mention as well is I kind of like how the cello here almost slightly alludes to the love themes later. Uh, it's not super extravagant. It's not sort of this Matahari theme, as we'll call it. Uh, but it is just slightly in there, and I really like it. Yes, I really love how the cello just barely alludes to it. It's not the full theme, but it just barely alludes to it. And it's very, very beautiful how they include that there with the full orchestra, the brass, the woodwinds, everything in there. Yeah, and one thing I will say too is I, I feel like this is one of those tracks where, one of the few instances in Young Indie where I almost think about, you know, kind of these scenes that we have in, in the show and sort of like when you listen to certain tracks isolated, I almost found that when I listened to Afternoon Tea, 
I was almost surprised by what I heard. It's kind of interesting to think about like what you notice and what you don't notice based on dialogue or based on certain amounts of action. Because I always remember, you know, every time I listen to Afternoon Tea, I'm always like, wow, this is such an intricate track. There's so much going on here. Yet the entire scene is completely underscored, which is so interesting to think about like a memorable scene and how maybe the music isn't as memorable and is more surprising. And at least that's my own experience. But I always thought it was kind of interesting to listen to this track because I always found myself like never really remembering this theme very well and always kind of it came back every time I'd listen to this track on the CD. So let's take a listen to the second section of Afternoon Tea. <laughs> So after having some afternoon tea, a couple hours later, he's having breakfast with Mata in this very provocative track that starts off with some piano. And you can really feel the emotion between Matahari and Indy here, as it kind of signifies the love story and the love blossoming between the two of them. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing I will say that's interesting about this is it kind of almost has that sort of like French flair that we were kind of alluding to earlier, how it really does kind of remind you of this sort of time period. Um, and again, I like what you said about the very emotional love story. I think you really can feel that from some of these tracks, this one being one of them. And the other one, especially, I think, uh, later in the episode too, there's kind of those moments where you're like, wow, you can really envision sort of this dramatic love story, you know? Um, you know, and I think it's kind of interesting too, at least in my own experience, you know, Paris 1916, I'll just openly say, is one of my least favorite, if not my least favorite, segment from Young Indy, uh, along with Transylvania 1918. Um, I find those two sections of, of Young Indy quite hard to get through, to be quite honest, just because I'm not a fan of them. Um, but I will say, I think the music for this one is just so interesting because it completely doesn't even, I don't even associate my opinion of this episode with the music because the music I think is so much better than what I remember from the episode. Uh, so kind of interesting to have these climactic and dramatic moments, you know, with the full orchestra and the crescendo. And by the way, uh, the name of the track is kind of interesting, especially considering during this scene, uh, they were supposed to be having dinner together. Indy goes to Matashari's house, sleeps for about eight hours, and wakes up, and she says, I suppose it's too late for dinner. Well, no, duh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so dinner with Mata uh, eventually becomes a breakfast with Mata, so there you go right there. Yes, and you know, I do agree with you. The soundtracks are totally separate from that. They're both really amazing soundtracks. I love this soundtrack. It might be in my top 10. I'm not sure. But personally, 
I think this, you know, is a very beautiful track. So let's listen to Breakfast with Mata. Coming off of that section, we have a slight hint at a later track, Parisian Stroll, as we have these mellow strings that have this great resonant sound. And we finally have the Matahari theme, as we're going to call it here, with the violin and the flute. And it really does transition uh, with a lot of great orchestration here, uh, as we kind of have this sort of, again, emotion and sort of this... Uh, interesting sort of texture of what is that sound and how do you evoke that in that emotive function? How as an audience can you remember that through music and not just what you're seeing on screen? Yes, this is just a very powerful theme. You know, this, I personally love the Matahari theme because it kind of represents a very powerful love theme between Indy and Matahari. And it's signified here with the slow brass, the strings that get faster and faster as we transition into those woodwinds here. Yeah, and I love that ending as well with the woodwinds, like you said. And how about this kind of slight guitar harmony that's kind of in the background there, as we have the solo violin and cello that do kind of represent almost, I feel like, uh, a little bit of sort of Matahari's personality, maybe her charisma a little bit, um, just by the way that the tone quality is enhanced there as well. And this also was reused in a later scene, by the way, I should point this out. Um, when uh, There's the scene when... Um, Indy comes to Matahari's apartment and he's like, hope I'm not late, you know, and they were supposed to have dinner together. And there's that note, which is like, sorry, something came up, you know, see you later, blah, blah, blah. So they actually do use a few sections and reuse them in instances. Um, the scene when uh, Indy and Remy are at the cafe and um, uh, with uh, the other two girls there, uh, that is also reused of uh, Arrival in Paris as well. So kind of a couple of reused sections as well throughout, uh, but it also is used in the Breakfast with Mata scene as well. So uh, then, of course, we have the soft ending, which really gives off a lot of that finality. And how about such a powerful score, despite the fallout at the end of this episode? You know, it's kind of interesting to think about, you know, how we have a little bit more drama, I guess, and a little bit more of kind of this, you know, beautiful and sort of like symbolic music, despite the fact that, you know, we see them kind of have this falling out at the end of the episode. So yeah, let's take a listen to the second section of Breakfast with Mata.
And after having breakfast with Matahari, they decide to go on a Parisian stroll. And we start off with this beautiful slight oboe, which enhances the episode. And then we hear that accordion again, which again brings back that very French feeling theme, very Paris-like, very love, just very powerful theme in general. With this, you know, stroll in the park as well, you know, kind of as they're going through kind of Paris here. I love the music that they have, you know, especially another underscoring scene, right? Uh, we see them go through the park, they sit on that bench. And then how about this very interesting section here where we have, again, like you said, that accordion, which is on full display, the guitar and the woodwinds with those eerie strings. And, you know, something as well that I've always found interesting about this score, and maybe this is just me, I feel like there's a couple of good quotes that, like, for some reason or another, go well with the music and at least stick with my mind. And the one that goes with me here is the one that's opening for this track. With uh, Indy says, you know, war seems like a lifetime ago. And he says, you know, I wonder if any of my friends have been killed, you know? And Matahari's like, what a horrible thought. You know, imagine if the war doesn't even exist, you know? Maybe it's over and we haven't even been told yet. You know, so I just feel like there's some powerful quotes here that go along with this music as, you know, they're strolling through this park and again, kind of reminding us of where we are during this time period. Yes, uh, definitely. And then we kind of go to this mysterious and oh, scary sound. I mean, I literally jumped out of my seat when I heard this. It almost sounds like water, like what you would think of as water sounding like music, like, you know, kind of going down really, really fast, like almost like water. Yeah, that's a very interesting point, actually. I was curious, what is this instrument right here? It's the motif that plays when we see uh, the close-up on that spy, the guy in the black hat, who keeps looking at Matahari and Indy throughout the entire episode, and eventually arrests Indy. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that musical texture is. It's kind of this weird element that's thrown in there, but I love what you said. It kind of sounds like water or something, you know, kind of like maybe water glasses or something along those lines. Uh, but it's a really cool sound, especially that kind of gets thrown in and is quite a juxtaposition from, you know, this kind of elaborate theme that we have as Indian Matahari are talking, right? And the one thing I will say as well, you know, just kind of communicating, again, what you were saying about the accordion theme, I feel like in this episode, it's so much more important to communicate the location. One, because I think the location is heavily associated with Matahari and they want that to stick with you. But secondly, this is the first leave that, you know, Indy has had, well, actually, he had one in trenches, but that was only like a day or something. Um, but here, you know, the fact that it's actually an entire episode, I think they kind of want you to remember, you know, the differences between war. We talked about Demons of Deception in that episode, what that title represents, and I feel like that location is such an important factor and is communicated so well through the music. Transitioning off of that very scary sound, we transition into a very emotional love kind of song. I mean, here we have the Matahari theme again, with 
a violin and the piano and that clarinet there is really really awesome really you know i can it conveys the emotion to you from the show you know you can feel what indy and matahari have yeah i think you know what the, the feelings that they have for each other or the lust that they have for each other i do think blends well with this music and especially you know i almost feel like there's it, it kind of represents that drama, right? Or that kind of traditional kind of like French romantic movie. Like I, I really can envision a lot of these pieces being used in other scenes. And I'm actually really, really curious what the temp dub situation was for this episode. Um, I'm guessing there were temp tracks for this. Uh, Joel McNeely has said in various interviews and things that um, George Lucas and also Ben Burt, I believe, uh, used temp tracks for the episode. I'm sure there were some for here, and I'm just curious what they were, because they definitely were extravagant, you know, enough to the point where I think it gave McNeely some great ideas on what to write. But also, I mean, they're not super popular because I haven't been able to pick out anything specific as to, like, where to get the inspiration for this or this. Um, because we definitely, I think, have that change with the solo piano in the next track to the point where it was very specific. To me, that sounds like a temp instance where they were looking for something, you know, very specific there. Um, but again, I love the transition here to that F natural uh, with the solo violin and piano here. And then again, we have that guitar just slightly in the background. It's just absolutely fantastic. I love it. Uh, that wonderful rich timber in this harmony. And um, we then transition back to kind of what you were saying, Max, about that sort of ending texture, right? This atonal glissando that almost gives you this specific feeling as well. Yes, it's almost a cliffhanger, but in music form. It's very scary. And, you know, speaking of temp tracks, I wonder where they got the inspiration for this sound. You know, obviously there was not a track that probably sounded exactly like this, but what instruments did they even choose? Because I have no idea. Honestly, like, usually I have some sort of idea about what instrument they use, but here I have no idea. I mean, honestly, they could have used a rain machine or, you know, something like that, that, you know, was supposed to produce, like, water in that just they used it to make it sound scary. But honestly, I have no idea. Right, because, like, it's funny that we're talking about this when, like, there's so much cognitive function in that sound. Like, we know what that represents because it's synced up perfectly with all those shots of that sort of, like, spy or whoever he is that's you know looking at Indian Matahari the whole time so it's kind of like where did they get the inspiration for that sound fascinating to think about uh, but yeah let's take a listen to this next section of Parisian Stroll which has that grand Matahari theme and a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end to give us some more suspense and foreshadowing to what will happen later
And transitioning off of that very scary sound, we go into still life, which is when Indy and Matahari are looking at this beautiful art gallery. We start on this F sharp on the piano. This is the piano solo we were talking about. Very emotional. There's almost a, there's, it is an arpeggio in there, but it's very slow. And it's quiet and mellow, and it's very symbolic of the quiet that is, you know, the environment in an art museum. Ooh, great point there. Yeah, I love the kind of soft and melancholy tone of this, right, of this kind of solo piano and the fact that it is still life, right? The fact that it was very quiet in there. We talk about, you know, um, you know, Matahari, I think, has some quotes of dialogue there where she's talking about that, you know, sh you know, artists have something that they can, you know, uh, stick with forever and that impacts the world in some way. And, you know, Indian Matahari are just walking around this art gallery and you have this just like very sort of like almost intense and sad, you know, kind of uh, piano theme, which I think is so interesting that they put this here, and it really does remind me, ironically enough, of the Verdun kind of piano theme. Obviously, it's not on that same sort of scale, but it is the same episode, ironically enough, as they were paired together. So it's interesting, kind of a little bit of that similarity there as well. And the left hand, of course, has these low, deep chords, and the right hand has a fantastic sort of gentle melody here that's just ever so slightly kind of poking its head up above all of these great scenes that we're seeing here. And I do think it's, like you said, very moving, very symbolic of not only the scene, but also just kind of this relationship with Matahari and Indy. And we see that, you know, it's not even been 24 hours yet. Whereas here, you know, despite this short time frame that Indy and Matahari know each other, they do kind of present it in a more dramatic way, which I think comes off in the music as well. Yes, definitely. And, you know, in Scandal of 1920, there's fast-paced jazz music as Indy is running around trying to chase his three girlfriends, I believe it is. Way too many. Uh, you know, but it kind of shows that, you know, the music changes based on how serious or how comical the relationship is. And you can definitely hear that here in Still Life. And as the track of Still Life continues, the solo piano eventually turns into more dramatic full orchestra sound here. Uh, and we have an interesting section here as uh, we actually see in this scene, uh, after Matahari and Indy were looking at the sort of art gallery, uh, we find out that Matahari has to go somewhere, right? And this is when Indy starts to have suspicions about Matahari, right? Like, where is she going off to on these whole, like, 11-hour rendezvous, right? And so, <laughs> you know, uh, she finally leaves from this carriage, and we have such... A powerful shot as we have this arpeggio scale with the piano and the strings are slightly commenting on it 
And those powerful notes kind of remind me of like the Verdun piano theme like we were talking about as Indy watches the carriage drive away on the street as he stands there. Really, really fantastic uh, kind of combination of sound and image. It really gives that rich, fulfilling feeling as Indy goes off down the street and that full orchestra is coming in and that beautiful soft ending really very very powerful and it really is kind of sad almost because you know Indy doesn't realize that uh, Matahari is a prostitute by this point um but you know the rest of us do so it the sound just really is very very powerful in this track yeah I'd agree with that too it's kind of like it almost doesn't really go with you know, kind of Matahari, because especially, like, with all the suspicions that she has in this episode, you know, albeit, you know, she's, you know, with other men, and, you know, she's suspected of being a spy, you know, etc., etc., there's this sort of, like, almost melancholy, yet also equally dramatic and beautiful music. It's kind of like this weird combo, and, like, Still Life is a great example of that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely one of those more powerful, unique tracks in the show, uh, you know, that really does stand out among the traditional orchestral score. Transitioning into La Affaire d'Amour, also known as Love Affair, Indy is uh, in bed with Matahari, and we see that where it starts with these beautiful chimes, the big crescendo, and then there's a leitmotif of the Matahari theme and the blaring full sound of that theme. Yes, I love the sort of full theme here, which is outstanding. It really kind of presents kind of the epitome of Matahari's theme, right? When every time we have a character theme or a leitmotif, there really is always a climax for it. Um, you know, there are different, depending on the character or the scene or the instance, uh, this would be the example of kind of that, um, which is interesting because, you know, it kind of, you know, gives us that huge climax, but then settles back down. And we go back to a previous cello and piano and chime theme, kind of an ostinato. We've heard this in other tracks before. And again, very symbolic of like French romantic films, right? Like this, this classic drama of the 20th century and this sort of style that we see, especially, you know, uh, going with the scene here, obviously, you know, this love affair, Indian Matahari are in bed, obviously. So we kind of have that same sort of drama and passion through the music as well. And do keep in mind, there is no dialogue in this. So again, this is an opportunity where the music has an opportunity to present itself and really shine through in the episode, not only isolated on the CD. 
Yes, definitely. That classic French romantic theme really reminds me of this track, and especially considering this track, to me, is very fulfilling and passionate. I mean, come on, Indian Matahari are in bed, but, you know, they are, this track really signifies their relationship and how it is escalated to this from the beginning of the episode. So let's listen to La Affaire d'Amour. As the track continues, so does the lay motif and emotive function for Matahari's theme. We have this uh, transition back to the elaborate mellow string parts we've heard earlier, uh, but I love the hint of the saxophone that is thrown in there, as the flute also has a chance to take the melody here. Yes, that flute comes in, and then the trumpet takes the violin theme from Parisian Stroll, getting faster and faster, and then uh, leaving you on the edge of your seat as this action-packed scene that should be had behind closed doors leaves you on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen next. Right, and it's definitely interesting to think about how some of these tracks kind of have that finality. Like, some of them do have a traditional cadence at the end, you know, like Arrival in Paris. It was that traditional sort of, like, kind of main theme for the episode. I, I wouldn't want to say a fanfare, but, you know, something similar of that nature. And then for some of these other ones, it just kind of ends with sometimes a little bit of dissonance. Other times, it's just kind of sitting and hanging there with a little bit of an imperfect cadence, right? Not a whole lot of finality. And that's what you have here, which, ironically enough, is kind of a good music sort of symbolism here for the relationship that Indian Matahari have. So let's take a listen to the last section of La Faire d'Amour. Moving in to Lover's Farewell, we start off with the same thing as the last track, the leitmotif of Matahari's theme, this time on the piano with the chimes. It's very sad and melancholy as Indy actually figures out that Matahari is a prostitute and that she cannot be trusted. 
this is the one track that doesn't symbolize a happy relationship or this kind of beautiful love affair or lust or whatever you want to call it, right? Because now Matahari is also suspected of being a spy. You know, Indy comes home, he's like, they threw me in jail for crying out loud. And she's like, how did this all happen? Yeah, well, you know, he's like, you're suspected of being a spy. And that was kind of the whole deal that they created this episode in the first place to kind of communicate like sort of this sort of famous sort of, uh, you know, kind of persona in France who, you know, was very popular and exotic dancer now is suspected of, you know, uh, giving information to the Ministry of War, right? And sort of as a spy for the Germans or something, right? So it's kind of crazy how that kind of transitions and also the music takes such a quick turn, right? We also have that flashback sequence, right, that kind of is thrown in in the uh, sort of ending scenes here with the flute trill, uh, that small chime, and the big percussion hit that kind of comes and is very jarring right there, uh, along with the sort of light oboe Matahari theme ostinato from right in the beginning. Yes, that big percussion hit really made me jump out of my seat. And then we kind of uh, hear that love piano in the chimes in the first section of Lover's Farewell. And the track continues with a rendition of Still Life, uh, which is a track we heard previously. Uh, we now basically have almost the exact same piece here, uh, that slow and mellow intro, uh, as we hear that solo piano with the violins just slightly commenting on it in the background. Um, but I think it's a very, very great um, sort of a representation of what happens in this episode. It's a powerful ending as Indy walks off into the Paris street at night. And you kind of almost have an opposite scene situation. Because when Still Life played before, and when we had that ending note, Matahari left in a carriage as Indy was looking down across the street. The opposite happens when we hear Still Life a second time, as Matahari looks from her apartment above as Indy walks off into the Paris night and the abyss, you know, kind of on. So I think it's really interesting, whether that was intentional or not, how the scene is almost an exact opposite when we have almost a literal rendition of Still Life here. Yes, definitely. Obviously, the scene is the opposite, and we actually end with a very low hit on the piano, and then that transitions perfectly into the end credits of Verdun. So let's listen to the last section of Lover's Farewell.
And to end off the score review today, we've got one more track to look at, an unreleased track from the interactive timeline on the bonus DVD of the box sets. Uh, your leave has been cancelled. Uh, this is a very interesting track during the scene when Indy actually uh, gets thrown in jail. Uh, as Matahari is suspected of being a spy, of course, we see that people were watching Indy and Matahari throughout this entire episode. And instead of actually uh, going to court over this, they just decide to release him and cancel his leave. And he says, you have 24 hours to get back to your unit. And it has these very suspenseful strings. The woodwind and percussion hit with the low cellos really symbolizes the tension and the completely different tone that is presented here in this track. Yes, there's that big full sound with the strings and the woodwind, and then silence. Then that big full sound comes in again, and then more silence, and then it comes quiet and kind of transitions in and then kind of fades out. And you know, something I don't like about this, I'm very neutral on this track. I don't like it, but I don't dislike it. The thing I don't like about it though, is that it's kind of offset from all the other tracks. It really doesn't work with any of the other tracks whatsoever. Yeah, and I'm wondering if maybe that was the reason that it got omitted from the Volume 1 soundtrack CD. Because, you know, we were talking about, like, why did they include that Mozart piece, you know, since it's, you know, been around for hundreds of years and it's already available, you know, via other digital albums. Like, why include it in the sort of young indie soundtrack here? And I'm wondering because the other three tracks that were not included... Uh, there was a scene uh, when Indy uh, first goes back to Matahari's apartment, Suite 24, I think is the name of the track. Uh, that isn't included. And then all of the that sort of like four or five minute section when Indy actually spies on Matahari and like walks around and follows her, none of that is included. And that is also quite different in tone and style with more suspenseful strings and that sort of stuff. So I'm wondering if maybe the decision was to go with something a little bit more thematic for the Volume 1 CD, and therefore those two tracks, one of them being Your Leaf Has Been Cancelled, was omitted from the CD because it has that suspenseful and scary tone, like you were saying, the dramatic crescendos and those percussion hits, and then right to silence, right? It's kind of like really weird how it offsets, you know, the whole rest of the track. Um, but it has that sort of sustaining violin and that neutral fade out as well, like you were saying. So let's take a listen to your leave has been canceled. That about concludes our soundtrack review on the ending suspense of Your Leave Has Been Cancelled, which offsets yet also perfectly communicates the suspense yet also dramatic emotional love story and the drama that we have from the Matahari episode, Paris 1916. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk about some of our favorite moments, some things we like and don't like about this score and also the episode, and some of our favorite tracks from this one. Yeah, so... Personally, my favorite track from this episode is Arrival in Paris. 
because it kind of starts off the episode. It's very, very beautiful. You know, I really love just the accordion and the chimes and the very rich tone, and I especially love the saxophone there because, you know, we don't really hear the use of the saxophone much at all until Mystery of the Blues when Indy actually plays the saxophone. But also my second favorite track, and I use the word favorite loosely, is Afternoon Tea because it has a very interesting tone and style. Yeah, I agree with you on Arrival in Paris 100%. Um, I think that's generally actually regarded as one of the more popular cues in the entire series. Um, of course, because it's on the Volume 1 CD, it's, you know, right there. And also just because it has that, like you said, that dramatic sort of like opening kind of section of Paris, right? It really, I think, represents the scene so well. Uh, it's used in two instances and then is again reused in Paris 1908, so I think fans are a little bit more familiar with it. And yeah, I just love that one. I can listen to it over and over and over again. Um, it just has that really kind of great sort of feeling of France during this time period. And I think I've probably mentioned this before, but that's my favorite part about the soundtrack from Young Indiana Jones is every single soundtrack that we look at has a different look. It has a different feel. Um, it has a different musical color. It's just so dramatically different from every one. And, you know, not to also mention the fact that, you know, we have different composers who are also contributing their different ideas and different thoughts about the music. So I think that's a really great example of why, you know, there are so many great moments and bright spots to look at because nothing is the same in this show, right? Not every episode is scored by Lawrence Rosenthal, and even the ones he does use, he doesn't use the Young Indy theme in every episode. So there's really no nothing to base it off of, right? In a lot of shows nowadays, you've got this big main theme opening up the show. You've got the same composer who's worked there for the last four years on the last, you know, couple of seasons, right? And you just have the same repetition. Of course, you've got some new themes here and there, but each episode stands on its own in this show. And that's what I think really comes across with tracks like Arrival in Paris. Um, I also like Breakfast with Mata and Parisian Stroll, uh, just because I think they're also great, you know, really symbolic uh, tracks that I think are just beautiful. They really represent that French flair and that kind of classical music from this time period as well. You know, I personally love all the music in here because it fits really well with the scene. It really describes exactly what is happening in the scene. You know, that's very apparent here with Lover's Farewell as there's, you know, the quiet farewell and the opposite scene as Indy walks into the Paris night. Very, very beautiful. Couldn't have thought of a better track. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's like those really moments in, in Young Indy and especially this episode too, you know, where it's like the music does have an opportunity opportunity to present itself and it is synchronized very well with a lot of the scenes and you know like I said I'm not a huge fan of this episode if I'm being quite honest um, but I do think the music is one of those things where it's like wow you know a really different perspective on this especially when you're listening to it isolated um, and uh, yeah yet again I think another home run hit in terms of the music for this uh, and that about concludes today's episode uh, so yet again uh, if you haven't already check out youngindianajonesmusic.com to learn more about the soundtrack to Young Indy or the YouTube channel Young Indie Score to take a listen to some of the music. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, and remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast, be sure to check out our website at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com and follow us on Facebook or Twitter. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time... So long, Dr. Jones. Jones.